The fifth season. The fifth season was lame. <laughs> um, actually, the fifth season had a lot more. Um, the fifth season had a lot more story t- to it, like a lot more development in the origins of like Super Cree and like what actually happens in like Super Cree's world. Um, as far as like her developing her like actual talents and abilities as like an actual superhero and then being like summoned into um summoned into the multi-dimensions as like an actual as like an actual hero or like summoned into the 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 multiverse so to speak um i can't you know like looking back i can't say um i can't say where the the fifth season like ends and begins i know that after the fourth season um there was there was a technical hiatus because between oh there was like a there was like a hiatus there was like a season between seasons like a filler season um between like the the because there was exit the hiatus which is in the fourth season um at the right maybe or was the beginning of the fourth yeah exit the hiatus began the fourth season and then um it was all pushed out between the fourth and the fifth um when i came back to the states when i came back to the states like that's I would say it's a funny story, but it's not. Um, um, it's not. And I don't even think that there's, like, a definitive um, beginning to the fifth season because it was it was pretty much a hiatus, I think, until things began to get strange enough in, like, my actual world, um, in my actual, like, non-DJ world, in, in a sense that it almost seemed like, um, like, like me, myself, was being kind of, like... Um, it was being hinted at that I should pick up where I left off. Um, and so the fourth season leaves off, I think, because um, I can't say. I would actually have to go back, and there are certain things that I just, like, don't um, double back to. But um, let's see. Actually, I think, I think did, did the fifth season begin in North Carolina? I would say that maybe, maybe so, or maybe that's when I started recording it and didn't really... Um, make any any plans to release anything until no yeah it did it did begin in North Carolina because I remember um, that's actually when I found out that Ollie had passed away and so I think that I started recording basically for myself to just kind of like cope with it because I was having a really hard time and I was in a really hard place Um, and that really hard place um kind of came from like I kind of felt like I got set up but also like pushed back into my DJ world in like the strangest kind of way or at least in my music world um because I had I had written a demo um disappear that I actually wanted to go back to California and hook up with these people that I had recorded with before um that have a studio and what they call what they call Black Beverly Hills um, and that's like a whole nother story. I think I've told this story where this dude was like, yeah, we got a, we got a whole mansion in Beverly Hills. <laughs> and I like drove there to record. It was like one of my first paid, like paid gigs. Um, after, let's see, how did I, yeah. Um, this dude, um, after I recorded Iambic, which I've still been trying to like place in my head when that was, um, cause I've been getting like a real general sense of just like, I haven't been 100% like fully in my 
body. Like, for a long time, I've just been, like, functioning kind of, like, semi-omnipotently and having to go with, like, the flow of whatever's happening around me. And a lot of that has had to do with just, like, not having a home, um, which I'll try to talk not so much about because I realize that there is, like, a... There is a, a bias against like homelessness and homeless people, and the general, the typical, the the typical like sense of people um, is just that they don't have an understanding of like what homelessness is and how it happens, um, what kind of people it affects, and I think I think the bias or the the discrimination part comes from the kind of people that it affects, um, but you know, like I've talked about before, we just kind of have a really broken. Um, system and so honestly it affects all kinds of people from all kinds of places um, and there really is no I mean like it could be you and that's not trying to be like negative well I mean like for some people it, it can't be them because they they come from older money or they come from a family with wealth or you know and it doesn't really have a co- it doesn't really have like a, a color to it even though you know homelessness does affect you know certain people more than it affects other people um but that has more to do with like does your family own property and then what kind of like values your family even has because like some 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 people don't give a shit like it like they'll just you know um like no that's family like i would never i would never leave a family member without a place to live or stranded and so some people have you know somebody that they can stay with or call um, but some people don't. Um, so you can't really say what causes it, you know. There's, there's, a, there's a number of things that, that boil down into the, the homeless system, which is still very, there's a lot of, there's a lot of things that need to be, um, you know, figured out. <laughs> um, and maybe that's, I don't know, I, like I said, my business is not politics. My business is very much music. Um, but the my my ability to make music has a lot of the time been dependent on whether or not I can even be in a place long enough to um you know like to to actually go into my to Ableton and and figure out like um like what the fuck I want to say with my my with what with the tools that I have and right now or actually all the music that I have is just made with uh my laptop like I haven't actually had the ability to reinvest in some of the things um some of the things that I had invested in before um I did briefly talk about this and I guess it goes back into like the between the fourth and fifth season um I had to dip on Mexico even though I had planned on staying probably inevitably just because it was it was more foreseeable that it would be more affordable with what I had at the time um you know and the fact that like people were willingly like I could work I could work two or three restaurants you know in a given day you know and save up that way and if I wanted to to keep moving you know there was always a place that was hiring a DJ or live music or whatever um you know so I got good at like gigging and that's how I saw myself kind of just like traveling through um Mexico and eventually like you know South America or whatever um because that's what a lot of people were doing I actually met like a lot of Americans who were in pretty much the same situation they were like yo like I lost my apartment you know during the pandemic or whatever I, I moved down here a lot of people who were just artists who were like yeah I'm not you know who were who were making it down there rather than in the United States who were because people were willing um 
you know, the United States is kind of closed circuit, and they're very judgmental about, like, well, you know, they're about ticket sales, and everything is very commercial, so it's like, how many followers do you have, and how many tickets um, can you sell? Like, basically, in the United States, the main drive is like, well, how much, how does this benefit me, me being the venue or the company or, you know, whoever you're working with? Um, how does this benefit me? Like, how much money does this put in my pocket? Because um, we're capitalists, and that's what we do. Um, but, <laughs> you know, Mexico is a lot different. It's more just like, hey, yeah, um, I'll pay you whatever amount of, of pesos to come play for an hour or whatever. And that certain amount of pesos, like, you can set your own price. And so, like, whatever your cost of living is, you know, most people are willing to negotiate or willing to pay you. Or you can just do multiple venues in one night, which is what I was doing for a while. Um, but after I... I trusted somebody that I shouldn't have trusted um, just because like I still <laughs> I still believed in, in like the kindness, um, you know, in somebody's heart for whatever reason. Um, and that person like really fucked me over. I came back to the United States um, kind of on a not not even on a whim. It, it's like one of those things where it's like, you know, when something is too good to be true, <laughs> like you should just trust that it's too good to be true. I found a job, I think, on Indeed um, that was like, oh, we pay for housing, too, and, and we pay for your food. And I was like, what? Okay, apply. Um, and it was for a surf instruction job in North Carolina. And I'd never been to uh, North Carolina, um, but I had been. And this also also ties into the legend of Super Creek, because that's how Super Creek even got started. Um, was at my first, my very first job as a surf instructor. Um, my very first job working at a surf camp is where the legend of Super Cree actually was got written in the first place. Um, so it's it's just one of those things where it's like, oh, like things start to make sense so much so much later that um, I'm still catching up to myself in a lot of ways. Um, but yeah, no, the between the fourth and the fifth season. Um, of course, I found this job on Indeed, and I, I did this video interview, um, you know, with this company in North Carolina that was like, yo, we pay for food and housing. And I'm like, yo, food and housing is exactly the reason why I left the United States, because I couldn't afford it. When I left the United States for Mexico, I actually had like three jobs, I think, um, like one full time job. And then I was bouncing between two jobs. Um, that were like part-time and they were also a conflict of interest so I also had like a contract between those two companies that was tech that technically stated like I couldn't work for another company because that other company was their competition but they also weren't paying me enough to like function <laughs> so I was like yeah okay whatever conflict of interest but I have to pay my bills and it just wasn't um it just wasn't working out. I mean, like, I was working around the clock. I was renting an apartment that was not, like... I was renting I was renting an apartment that was not affordable, even with three jobs, and just burning myself out to the point where I was just like, I don't want to die. Um, so, yeah, I ended up, <laughs> I ended up in Mexico, um, where things are easily just as, as difficult, but in other ways. And so, um, yeah, um... This company being like, oh, we take care of your food and we take care of your, your housing was like my, my lucky break, it felt like, you know, I was like, whoa, that's exactly like I could, I could take whatever I make from that job and come back to the, come back to Mexico and be fine, you know, like doing, you know, actually working on my music because that was what I wanted to do, even though I wouldn't admit it to myself, like I was just like, yo, I just want to be, 
you know, in this treehouse or whatever. I just want to be in this, you know, I want I want to make music instead of just play other people's music, um, which was kind of like the mission from the beginning of, of you know, realizing that it was something that I could do um, just because I've always been a musician, like I've been a musician since I was, since I could talk, since before I could talk, um, you know, I guess, I guess I was the one that wanted piano lessons. Um, you know, and, and my mom was cool and got them for me. We always had a, I think a baby grand. No, I can't remember what kind of piano we had, but we always had a piano in the house. Um, you know, and I, I took lessons until we moved from the house that I grew up in into, into, I don't know, a place that I actually had a dream about this place last night. And this place like really shaped my, my, like who I am as a person in a lot of ways that I realize is has been negative but also has taught me a lot about the world but I'm also just now like like focusing my mind out of breaking habits that I built in this place because it was such a toxic negative um place like that that um I don't know like I said really shaped who I am but also opened my eyes to like what um (laughs) <laughs> to what a lot of middle America is like, you know, um, it's it's a very black and white or very color color coded place, um, you know, and and North Carolina is no different. Um, I was like, even, I think even during my interview, because um, of course I was like, I, I emailed them. I was like, hey, I'm in Mexico, but if it all works out, I'll I'll figure out a way to get up there. Um, and they're like, oh, what are you in Mexico doing? And I was like, you know, like trying to surf, um, cause I was <laughs> at first, um, but just ended up, I ended up in a place where I was swimming every day, but not surfing. Cause it's just not a surf friendly, like it, they don't have surf friendly beaches, but it's perfect for swimming. So I've talked about how I was swimming every day and kind of got into this, um, cause there's, there's really no gyms. <laughs> um, there are, but they're not, um. I don't know, Mexico's a very interesting, interesting place, Um, especially, like, once you get out of, like, the city, which is basically Mexico City, which is a gnarly, like, it's so big, it's so big that there's, like, I don't know, it doesn't seem like there's an end to it. Flying over that place every time gives me goosebumps, because one, there's, like, volcanoes, and it's just, like, who puts volcanoes and then, like, a city, but, you know, Mexico City, Um, and two, there are so many, like, different areas of it that you it's like it's not a walkable city at all but it's also mexico so don't expect their their transit to be like a1 so getting around mexico city is just nuts like i said i would never do mexico again in the way that i've done it which is just broke as fuck um which i mean like there are parts of mexico that you can explore with like zero money at all which is it's hard to think about as an american because everything in the united states costs money but i mean like there there are entire places where there are Americans just like living technically off the land which is you know which is a whole nother issue because when it comes to the locals they're like dang like I don't know the homelessness crisis in the United States kind of like spreads it spreads itself into like you know below the border um a lot of the time like I said I met a lot of Americans who were like yeah I don't have a place in the United States it got too expensive I can't even eat up there um you know I can't I can't do anything but you know the early bird gets the worm in certain places if you just go pick the right tree you can sell mangoes all day and that's how you can like make your 
you know, that's how you can pay for your bed. There are certain places where you can, you know, you don't have to pay to stay. You can just clean or whatever. Um, you know, there's lots of options for people who are, like, nomadic, you know. Uh, a lot of people work remotely with the jobs that they already had. It, yeah, it was nuts. Um, but after the, after the crisis that I will admit that I put myself in, like, I straight um, got robbed by not trusting the right person um who was like yeah we're gonna we're gonna renovate this apartment um and then it could just be yours you know or whatever you can airbnb it do whatever um and this is this is the investment and then just ran off with it of course because why would i ever expect that kind of um (laughs) that kind of deal like i said some things you bring upon yourself and when something seems too good to be true it is um which is which was the case with this job in North Carolina, um, which I got, because I had a great interview, and they were like, yeah, cool, um, be here by this day, and then, um, I have an aunt that I, I, I swear all the way, all the way up and down, um, to God and back that, like, she's, I, I feel like she's a fallen angel, she's always been my favorite person, like, pretty much ever, even when I was, like, a kid, um, and we used to joke that, like, me and my cousin got switched, because my cousin is so much more like my mom than I am, and I'm, <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm, I would say now I'm like a, a very good hybrid of pretty much every person I've ever had to deal with. Um, <laughs> like I'm collecting them, um, you know. I, I, think, I think it's good that I'm that kind of sponge, that I take the positive things that I like about a person um, from them, and then I leave the negative things like with them or behind me at least you know um that's that's just something that I think I've always done and now as an adult that I do um really well you know almost as if it's a skill is that I'll just take what I like um you know or what I've learned and make the positive the most positive aspects about whoever I deal with part of me um, and leave the the negative aspects in the dust because nobody needs that shit, <laughs> you know. Um, but anywho, yeah, I, I have this aunt that's like a saint, and she's, <laughs> I'm, you know, I told her already. I was like, I hope that when you file your taxes, you're writing me off as like a tax break. Um, but no, her her husband is like military retired and really well to do in the sense that they can, like, not extremely well-to-do, like, filthy rich, but, you know, in the way that, like, I don't think I'd be alive, <laughs> like, without her, because I have always been kind of, uh, like, my pride comes in and, like, asking for help when I need it, especially because, um, like I said, I'm just, like, a traumatized, broken person, so in the past, when I've needed it most, for the, for the most part, like, <laughs> nobody comes through, um, like I said, you know, I've just been, like, stranded in some kind of horrible situation, um, which also is just one of those, like, oh, this was supposed to happen because I met this person, or this happened, or this blah, blah, blah. Anywho, um, I, I really am a strong believer in, like, everything that happens is supposed to, even when it's really horrible, um, and that's just something that I've gotten used to, um, something that I've gotten used to, just because I'm like, well, you know... It wasn't all for nothing, um, and at least if I can tell myself that, then, then you know, um, I can find positive things in in negative situations. But either way, um, so yeah, I <laughs> I'm in 
Mexico, and I told my aunt, I was like, hey, I got a job, like an actual job. This job supplies housing. This job supplies food. Um, you know, and I asked them too. I was like, hey, well, I'm a vegan. Are you sure you can feed me? And they were like, oh, yeah, we got you. Like, like I said, if something sounds too good to be true, it totally is. Um, we, we got you, you know. Um, I was like, cool. I told my aunt, I was like, hey, I got this job. Um, it's in North Carolina, you know, it's teaching surfing, you know, I've been doing that for a few summers, blah, 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 and she was like, cool, and she actually helped me with a ticket to get there. Now, I, if you've ever traveled in Mexico, um, you know that everything that you take with you is going to be, you're going to be charged for it, so I didn't, uh, you know, <laughs> I should listen to my aunt, because I still, I still beat myself up for it. I'm just now starting to let go of this very, very important in instrument that I invested in and was, um, it, you know, I, I left my Ableton push in Mexico um, and the person that I left it with because I didn't come back, um, by the, I wasn't able to come back um, by the time that I um, said that I would, he got mad and he was like, yeah, I, I sold your shit or whatever, I kept it, like, I don't know, um, so... Yeah, I, I don't I don't know what happened to it, but I told my aunt I was like, hey, like I can't, you know, um, I'm leaving stuff here because I plan to come back at the end of the summer. They're gonna pay me in a, at, at, in a lump sum at the end of the summer, and I can just come back. And uh, she was like, oh, and I was like, I'm I'm leaving my, uh, yeah, like I don't know, I can't remember what she said, but she said something to the effect of like you should take everything with you that's important. And, like, I tried to, but I was, like, I literally don't ha like, I, I, I think I packed my gym bag because all I could take was, like, a carry-on in a backpack. So, my push would not have fit. Um, so, I left it. And I was, like, I'll be back at the end of the summer. And I never got to go back for it. And I still, I still kick my own ass for that. Because um, that's something that I'm going to have to repurchase. Of course, now they put the push three out. Um, and that's something that I want. So, I was, like, uh eventually by the time I can get it maybe I'll have upgraded but I'm, I, I miss that thing so much um because I was just learning how to use it I met when I was in Mexico I met this kid Jet Jetro 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 um from Rome which is actually the person who I was going to see when I got stuck in New York because <laughs> he was like oh yes you come you come to Rome and we'll make music we'll make techno and blah 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 I've talked about him. He's been a DJ his entire life. He's 20 years old. His dad's a DJ. His grandpa's a DJ. <laughs> he's, he's just full-blooded DJ. And so um, that's who I was going to Rome to see when I got stuck in New York. But, of course, I've been stuck in New York um, for way, way longer than I should, should have been. Um, for, you know, for lots of reasons. I'm making music, um, which is good. But, of course, I'm still not making music that sounds 100% like the way... I want. Um, I'm making some things that I am quite proud of, and I don't want to jinx it, so I'll just stop talking about that. But I still miss my push very, very much. Um, the thing about the push, too, was it was heavy, um, which is why it didn't end up coming with me. Um, and then, of course, for, for whatever reason, um, I think within like a week of me getting to North Carolina, or like a week, maybe two, I think a hurricane hit where I had just left and I I heard about it like on the news coincidentally but I don't really believe in coincidences but either way um this is this is between fourth and fifth season 
um, I get to this place and it's not ideal at all in, in like a lot of ways like I was kind of expecting it to be this way but not I don't know I think I got like I don't know I think I felt a whole lot of ways about it that was making it dreadful from the very beginning um so it's just one of those things that was like doomed from the beginning but also in, in the way that like I got there and they're like oh well you're gonna need this certification and I was like I don't have any money until you guys pay me and they're like oh we can work it out but I was already like emotionally like like I don't know I think I think just being about, around a bunch of like rich kids rich college kids that are like 10 years younger than me that are like all youthful they they have their own surfboards and everything and I literally like I said I'm like the epitome of a dirty hippie coming back from Mexico like in in the same clothes you know like I traveled all this time all this way um for this job um and like I said they were gonna pay me on a stipend so I I got to North Carolina and of course I'm like uh um, you know, what's up? I don't even have a cell phone at this point. Um, I've just been living, like, off the grid, which is a really cool way to live, by the way. Um, every time I'm off the grid, I'm very happy. Um, unless I need to be on the grid for, for whatever reason. Um, you know, but I, I didn't even have a cell phone. Um, so yeah, I get to this place and I'm just, I think... I think my unhappiness might have manifested like whatever happened with this but um it I think also I got oh yeah I got extremely sick um from the diet because I was I went from like a 100% fresh um I was eating like I said I was like eating off mango trees and like pure coconut water I was swimming in the ocean every day like a mile you know like like deep sea swimming um, in the ocean, and then I get to this place, and it, it was, like, it was, like, good to be home, but, like, not really, because, like, I landed in the south, and everybody was, like, and I was, like, oh, no, like, <laughs> this is not cool, um, I've been living in this skin, <laughs> in this country's history for, like, 30 years, and it has never been fucking fun, um, so yeah, because I was like, yo, is, is North Carolina the South? And they're like, no, because I think they didn't want to scare me. Um, but I got there and I'm like, of course, like the only black person besides <laughs> two people who have been working there forever. So everybody like knew them already. Um, and so like everybody was like familiar with everybody. And like it was all these kids that were like in college and like had cars that were brand new that their parents gave them and I was just like so out of place that I was like depressed already um but um I met this dude of course um well I, I didn't meet this dude he just worked for the place and this is where you get in trouble with dudes um because I think this dude well it was obvious that he was attracted to me but like it was weird because I was already like halfway a dude so I was kind of taking it in the way that like we're friendly <laughs> but like nah he was just he, he was just being a dude and um I don't know like I said I was kind of depressed or whatever and so whenever we would have our free time away from training or away from like having to be in like a group setting and I don't I'm not huge on group settings. I'm not, like, into circle jerking. And like I said, all these kids are, like, 10 years younger than me. 
and like come from the privilege you know and it's also kind of scaring me that everybody's like welcome i'm like oh shit <laughs> um you know north carolina is by the way the south um <laughs> very much the south um, you know, I, I get to the ocean at least. I'm thinking, like, it's going to be great. But I've been in Mexico for, like, a, like almost a year. So, I you know, the Atlantic Ocean is not that welcoming to me. I think I, st- I stuck my foot in was like, mm, yeah. And I was just, like, disappointed um, pretty much in everything. But I was also getting, like, really, like, sick from the pretty much the second that I landed. Um, cause I don't think I had any money and I couldn't eat anything. I think I ate in Miami and that made me sick because Chili's, <laughs> Chili's veggie burger has eggs in it or something, eggs or milk. So I thought that it was vegan and it wasn't. And I was like, oh yeah, you know, I don't think I ate the whole thing, but like I, I tasted it and I was like, oh, like I, like I've been vegan so, so long that now my body like detects things my body will be like "Mm -mm, this isn't you know um and that's my fault (laughs) for doing that to myself but like I don't know veganism is one of those things where it's just it it's like a it's like a drug to me where it feels good because of what it's doing for my body and now it's hard to go backwards it's like taking vitamins and then like stopping or working out a lot and stopping like anything that you do that affects your body positively and then like just not doing it like you're gonna feel the difference you know so I feel the difference um you know in the few times that I've eaten like non-vegan things accidentally I'll usually like take a couple bites and be like "Mm," and then check the ingredients and be like oops you know that's not um and yeah that was the that was the uh that's actually what happened at Chili's (laughs) is I was like oh I went to Chili's in Miami because I was like what what could I possibly eat I don't think I'd eaten for like a while um after leaving I did um I did I did host that little um like I hosted my own goodbye party um and that was that um that's where those rap battles with nameless came from is they came to my dinner party um Dania and nameless um or Maxwell whatever who's actually from New York and like I said I'd talk about him on like a whole different I was still supposed to come out with a diss tape a a diss yeah like a diss tape because he 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 went like weird and crazy and um but yeah no he actually has like 40 airdrops that never got to me so he has a whole bunch of like mixtapes that I haven't even heard I think I got like three and we were recording for like like half the night you know um just going back and forth so there's there's like un un i don't know unreleased um i think i was doing i think i was rapping as the kid and sunny um sunny blue so there's yeah he has a bunch of those i don't know i don't know if he still has them but he did but it's been a while now um but yeah um there's that dinner party then i came back i got i had phone dropping anywho i'm also multitasking i'm making these fucking things for my fucking i'm just trying to make a living anywho (laughs) um dinner party we had soup and like a whole bunch of other fresh things that i cooked for everybody um then i 
Oh yeah, layover in Miami. I went to Chili's and it wasn't appetizing at all. But when I by the time I got to North Carolina, it was just ironic because they were like, "Yo, we're gonna <laughs> we're gonna eat now." And I was like, "Cool, what are we eating?" They're like burritos, and I was like, "That's hilarious," because um, I I just got back from Mexico, but it was like American burritos. But I was super hungry, so I was just like, "Yeah," and it was like one of the, it was like a Subway style. It was like a subway style place or like Chipotle or whatever, where it's like build your own. So I was just like, yeah, I'm fucking, I can't even remember what I put in my burrito, but of course it was vegan and still it was like not, it was like an American burrito at this weird, they don't have those places like anywhere else I've ever been, but (laughs) I can't remember what the place was called at all, but it was like a, it was almost like a golden corral, but for burritos. <laughs> and it was like super Americanized burritos. So I had that. And I think that's when my stomach started turning against me. And that was the first day. Um, but by, let's see, I don't I don't even think I lasted like a week. Um, because of this dude. Um, this dude named Corey. Who, he said he was going to sue me. Um, but I don't know. I don't, I don't think he can. Because um, <laughs> he this dude um so first i guess i should backtrack like i said i would kind of just like go off they were like oh you have free time between this time and this time and i was like cool i'm gonna go oh this girl came and she was like oh i have my guitar with me and i'm like you do i would love to like run off with it and she was like do your thing and i was like cool so i was like playing guitar under the fucking uh like this thing i I don't know what to call it (laughs) but i was playing guitar under this thing and this dude was like, oh, what are you doing? And I was like, I'm playing guitar. And he was like, play a song for me. And so I was like, okay. And so I played him a song. <clears throat> and I think that's that's um, that's when I did the wrong thing. Because after that, he was just like super friendly. And like, I don't know. He, he almost seemed like the only person who wanted to actually like really be friends because like i said everybody else was just kind of clicky and it was like a whole bunch of girls and i've never done well around females anyway just realizing how non-binary i am and everybody was like confused like are you a dude because <laughs> i did my paperwork and it says i'm non-binary and that that is something i've realized too is um ever since my my actual legal gender has changed people when people see that when they see the x reflected on my fucking paperwork um, which is, by the way, something I, I really only did so that, like, my, um, my ex couldn't, like, track me. Um, I am non-binary, but, like, I didn't necessarily ever plan on putting it on paperwork. It's just something that you can do. Um, and so I did because it, it, like, elevated my level of, like, safety and security I would have, um, about myself, you know? Um, and now I've kind of grown into it in the way that I, I'm realizing how it does suit me. Um, but yeah, people act really differently. Um, when they see that on my ID, they're like, yeah, that's, uh, (laughs) you know, they don't know how to treat me like a guy or a girl. I'm just like, just treat me like a person. But everything is so, so, so very gender-based. Um, yeah, so very gender-based. I'm having a hard time telling this story, but I think it's just mostly because I'm, I'm multitasking. And, um, yeah, the story is actually really uncomfortable to tell anyway. Um, but it's, it's worth telling because it goes between, like, the, the fourth and the fifth season. It's how the fourth season actually even started, I guess. And also just kind of, like, 
I don't know, it put me in, in into a music sequence when I wasn't expecting it. Because every time I try, it like it proves the point of how I try to have a job outside of music, and then it doesn't work in like the worst way possible, and then just spins me deeper into another rabbit hole of music. So I don't know. I still, I'm still, um, I'm still iffy about it. Just because I'm like I'm still iffy about it like there I don't have any other choice like now I'm doing music and I'm just like how do you make money off of this and fucking when everybody's a fucking artist and everybody's independent and everybody's making music and fucking everything's a paywall like how do you do this um you know but yeah I sang a song for this dude and he was cool and and but like only kind of anywho um this is this is like my last 24 hours at this place anywho um i think we woke up for breakfast that day and um he had his bike parked and i kept on looking at it because i love motorcycles i really do um and he was like oh fun fact like oh he kept telling me every day every time we would talk he would be like yo when are you gonna ride my bike and i was like i don't know and like at first i didn't take him serious you know i just kept looking at the bike because it was cool and i was like i want this and he was like oh like you should ride it and i was like all right you know like but i never did (laughs) um until i had a really bad day and i won't talk about it but it was just a really bad day and um well, it it was a really bad day for a lot of reasons, but like, yo, I had to do a swim test with a whole bunch of like college kids that like were on scholarship for college athletics. That did not make me feel cool. Um, Cause like I said, I'd been swimming in the ocean every day for like months, but there's, there's a difference between me who used to be 380 pounds and like these 20 fucking year old kids that are on like college swim teams that are trying to go like professional and be in the olympics and shit like i can't keep up with that so yeah um i like walked out of my test one because i knew i couldn't pay for it and two just because i was embarrassed as fuck that i was like the slowest swimmer um even though i was thinking i was at least gonna do okay like i knew i wasn't gonna be the best because i'm not the best at fucking anything but um, <laughs> I was like, yo, I was, I'm at least going to be cool because this is just a pool. And fucking, I've been swimming in the ocean every day with like giant fucking waves. And like, yeah, I'm all muscular and shit. But no, um, and especially this is when that diet came into play. Because I was like, yo, I don't like, I don't even feel good in my stomach. Because um, everything that they fed me was processed from that moment that I got back. Um, after eating, like, nothing but mangoes and fucking fresh, fresh produce, uh, avocados, onions, mushrooms, um, you know, like, I was eating 100% fresh, non, non-processed all the time, every single day, um, yeah, everything, everything just came off of a fucking tree instead of out of a package or out of a truck, um, for months, and then, once I took that job, it was like it was like less than a week, and I was just like sluggish and slow, um, and gross, and just not not cool at all. Um, yeah, at all. So <laughs> I go to take this test, and um, I realized that I was just like not gonna pass it. So I left. Um, I left. I walked away. 
um, when I shouldn't have, but that's, I don't know, I was just, like, embarrassed. I was just super, super embarrassed that, like, I'm, I'm paling in p- comparison to all these kids, and I can't even pay for the test anyway, so even if I had have passed, um, like, I couldn't pay for it, you know? Like, I didn't, you know, they were like, oh, we'll, we'll work something out, but I was like, nah, like, I don't know. I guess that's just my pride a little bit, but also, the dude who was coaching us was, like, I don't know if he was, like, retired military or maybe even just, like, a military fucking, like, like EMT swim lifeguard trainer. But, like, yo, I did not like being yelled at by that dude in, like, a super southern accent, like, military style. He was like, go, go, go. And I was like, fuck this. That's why I've never joined the military because I don't want that to happen. I would AWOL. I'd be like, I'm not doing this. <laughs> like, I would leave, and I'd be like a traitor to my country. I would leave, um, which is what I did, you know? I was like, fuck this. I can do paramilitary, because I wanted to do fire, um, you know? And I still might do EMT, um, might. Um, but, yeah, no. I can do paramilitary, but I can't do fully mil- military. And this dude was like, yeah, hut, hut, hustle, hustle. And I was like, fuck this. So I got out the pool, and I walked away. Um, which was also probably not a good call because I didn't have, um, (laughs) I think I didn't have the correct swimsuit. And so I just ended up going with my other swimsuit, which was like a a high rise thong suit. Um, so (laughs) I, I walked away with all my bits out and I could feel the whole world, um, (laughs) watching me walk away. So (laughs) I left I went across the street to, like, a Jamba Juice or some shit. It's not a Jamba Juice, but, you know, um, for the for the sake of this story, it's a Jamba Juice. And fucking got on the internet, because I still didn't have a phone. I can't remember what I did on the internet at all. Um, but, yeah, I, I walked away. And uh, I got in trouble for that. But the, the thing that, that really did it was later that day, when we got back to the camp... Um, Because the kids weren't there yet. We were just training. Thank goodness. Because if kids had been there, it probably would have been fucking bad. Um, I'm really good with kids, by the way. But, like, just the environment was so uncomfortable that it, it it was uncomfortable. And, I mean, like, I've worked in... I've worked with kids in privileged areas. Like, Pacific Palisades is the most... Is the richest city in the United States, I think. Is the richest... It's like the richest area in the in the whole country, or at least in California. Um, you know, besides New York, New York is really fucking rich. I don't know. I don't know whether New York City or Pacific. Like, I can't. I think it's like a neighborhood with the most money is Pacific Palisades. I I don't know. It's it's definitely one of the top ten like richest places. And I've worked there, and like I loved the kids. I worked I worked all over the beach cities in California, and those kids are funny because they're so fucking privileged. Like some of them don't eat sugar. Some of them have never had meat. Like that's a that's a story. That's a that's a whole episode on its own. Those kids because they're so, like they have so much money. Um, and they have nannies and they have fucking. They're funny. Uh, this is just too much. I am so overwhelmed. I'm like, you're six. Um, you know, but yeah, it wasn't, it wasn't really like the, the privilege part as much as like the, I think it was culture shock on so many levels. Um, and also just my belly being upset with me being like, yo, where are the mangoes and the coconut water? And I was like, I'm sorry, but it's like fucking, oh, it was bad. Everything that they had, like that I could eat was bad for me. Um, 
in a lot of ways. And so I just lost a lot of energy that way. Um, but yeah, it wasn't even, <laughs> it was that. But it was also the fact that when we got back to the camp, um, everybody was like, we're going to the beach. And I was like, I really don't want to be in this fucking Barbie movie, this <laughs> southern Barbie movie um, right now. So <laughs> I was like, yeah. And um, <laughs> this one's on me. I see, I see this dude's bike <laughs> just sitting there and like the words start going through my head because he's being hella friendly, okay? Like I'm not the one approaching him. He's approaching me at like every meal because he was the cook, not the chef, by the way, the cook. Um, but this morning, before we had left for training, before I had walked away, it, it, this is like the Titanic. This How I lost this job is more like the Titanic in the way that it wasn't just one thing that went wrong, it was everything that went wrong. Um, and it happened in this sequence. Um, but I'm telling it out of order because that's how my brain works. But yeah, at breakfast that morning, um, Corey, this dude's name was, he was like, hey, um, this, like, I have my own room. And I was like, what? That's lucky, you know? Because <laughs> I'm in a room with like six other bitches and that shit's not cool. Um, and he was like, well, you can come to my room, like, anytime. And that was the first time that he, like, actually came on to me at all. And um, I was not interested, I realized. Um, but <laughs> later that day, I was interested in, in <laughs> riding his bike, um, which he had told me, like, by the way, my bike is parked over here. Um, it's got the keys and the ignition. Um, at any time, if you want to ride it, just ride my bike. Just ride my bike. And I was like, cool. Um, so I did that, and, um, <laughs> that ended badly enough that, um, that's how I lost that job. <laughs> they were like, you should not have, um, ridden this bike, and I was like, well, I did, um, sorry, <laughs> but I wasn't sorry at all, because he told me to ride his bike, and the keys were in it, and they were like, did you crash it, and I was like, no, <laughs> no, I did not, because I didn't, I didn't actually crash his bike, and, um, cause the, the next morning, it wasn't even that day that everything went down. It was the next day. Um, the next day he was like, yo, somebody, somebody like tipped over my bike. And I was like, what? And he was like, was it you? And I was like, no, it definitely wasn't me. And he was like, somebody like pushed over my bike and it is damaged. And I was like, that's unfortunate and a coincidence because I did ride the bike. He was like, did you ride the bike? I was like, I rode it, but I did not. I did not damage it because I didn't want anybody to know that I had ridden the bike. So I parked it in the exact same position. I parked it in the exact same position in which it was parked. And I put the helmet back on and I was like, cool. I did like a check over of it. I was like, yeah, all right. Like this is cool. Bike is, is fine. So <laughs> I did not damage the bike at all. And he was like, somebody damaged my bike. I was like, that's unfortunate. He was like, did you ride it, though? And I was like, I did ride it. And he was like, so it's damaged, so you, you broke my bike. And I was like, I did not break your bike, but whatever. Um, and that's how I lost that job, because later that day, they were like, oh, it was all elementary school style. They were like, come into the office. I was like, oh, of course. And it was during, like, a group group game, too. It was, like, one of those, like, getting-to-know-you games. Like, oh, I'm from this and Disneyland or whatever they were like not you though like get come over here and I was like oh what and they were, and they were like hey like did you crash this dude's bike and I was like no and they were like well even if you didn't <laughs> you walked away from your test which by the way it was like an automatic fail I was like okay they were like so you're no longer 
you're not with us anymore. Like, we can't have you around. And I was like, oh, that sucks, because I left Mexico for this job. And they were like, yeah, well, about that. Um, <laughs> we're, we're, this was the part that was fucked up the most. They were like, well, we got you a hostel in a different part of the city um, for, I can't remember how long it was. I think it was like two nights or maybe three. They were like, we got you a hostel over here. Um, and, and after that, like, you're just gonna have to figure it out. And I was like, well, am I still getting at least, like, paid for training? They're like, yeah, but not until payday, which was, like, I think it was two weeks from then. They were like, yeah, in two weeks we'll pay you. And I was like, so you got me a room for three days in a place that I'm not from, and I have no money, and you know this, and I'm not getting paid for two weeks. And they were like, yes. And I was like, okay. And then also that dude was like, and I'm suing you. And I'm like, you're just mad because I didn't come to your fucking room. Um, he's like, no, I'm mad because you fucking broke my bike. And I was like, I did not break your bike. I'm being set up. Because I, I still to this day think that I was set up. Because when I returned the bike, it was in perfect condition. Um, <laughs> I think that, I think this, this, this was a setup. That's why I'm like, oh, yo, if it's too good to be true, it's too good to be true. And I still think that the whole thing was a setup. They were like, housing and food. I'm like, really? Hmm. I was like lured back to the United States. Because um, it was just, it's just too, like everything was just too coincidental. It was like coincidental as fuck from the beginning. I should have been suspicious, but I was like, yo, I got robbed by this dude who looks like Skrillex in Mexico. And I gotta, I gotta fucking leave. And like I said, that's like another story for another time. Or not. <laughs> um, yeah, no. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, um, yeah, <laughs> I mean, like, it is starting to be a funny story, kind of, just because it's done with, but no, some things are just not cool levels, anywho, um, they're like, yeah, we're taking you to fucking <laughs> the heart of racist country, by the way, because I didn't know that until, like, I got to, like, a, a different place, and I told my aunt what happened, I was like, yo, I'm so sorry, like, you got me a ticket for this job, and then they fucking fired me. And then, like, now I'm stuck in this place for, like, three days, and I don't know what to do. And she was like, yeah, um, why are you here? <laughs> this is the most racist place ever, according to people that I know. Like, she was like, yeah, I talked to, you know, my, my aunt has, like, friends and family all over. Because um, she's just a good lady. She was like, I talked to so-and-so, like, far distant cousin that I've never heard of but of course his family but not really um she's like yeah I talked to so-and-so she said it's like super racist there why are you there and I'm like I was pretty much lured here she was like yeah well you know um <laughs> I can't I can't remember how that ended oh she was like well I'll get you a ticket to a less racist area but you know you're um the best that I can do is send you to this place where your distant cousin works and it was like a it was like a drug rehab facility in not the place that I was at, but the next city over. And she's like, I'll get you a train ticket. And I like read about the place online and it was not like the, the circumstances to be there did not even apply to me. So I wasn't going to pretend that I had those problems to be there. Um, just because I'm, like I said, I'm super sensitive to energy um, and I'm a super empath. So being around a whole bunch of like detoxing addicts was not, I was like, no, no. Um, so I ended up at this hostel, and I thought that it was, like, the hands of God that put me there, but not. <laughs> and it was, in a way, but sometimes God has a funny way of talking. 
because I, I, uh, they dropped me off at this place and, um, I walk in and it's, it's covered in like records and stuff. So I was like, oh, you know, I just love music and I especially love like records. Um, so this place is just like decorated with like records and it's like really homey and cool. And I was like, oh, like, that's nice. And they were like, good luck. <laughs> like literally we was like, bye. And I was like, oh. Um, and the first room that I saw was like, uh, uh, it was like studio. This is a studio. And I was like, is it a real studio? And it turns out that it was. Um, that's actually the studio that I made banana bread in as horrible as that song is. Um, cause it's not, it's not really mixed or mastered. It's just something that I made on the fucking fly. I think I made that song in like five minutes. Um, because the rest of the story goes like this. Um, I panicked in my, I was like, oh, I only have like two, I don't know. I think they gave me the weekend there. So like two days and then I'd have to leave on the third. Um, so I hurried up and made friends with the, what happened to be like the owners um, and the owners were these two little kids who I pissed off considerably um, because one of them was a trust fund baby that had an incredible voice. I still hope the most for that kid um, because he he was like, he was very, very talented, cute, um, you know, like uh, just long hair, long haired redhead, beautiful. He was actually so beautiful that like when he would, when he would come around, I would be like, oh, fuck this. Cause he was cute. Um, he was too cute. And, um, I think the other one was a redhead too. I think it was like two redheads, which was nice for me. And, um, other, the other one was cute, um, in his own way. Cause he was skinny and, um, had really short hair and like green eyes. And I was like, oh, and they were in a band and they had like, uh, the band had a really dumb name, but it made sense because they did a lot of RKS covers, which is rainbow kitten surprise. But I mean, like, you're not going to do better than rainbow kitten surprise. Um, but they did do a lot of RKS covers. And um, the the drummer was a really good drummer. He was, like, he came from an emo band that had already gone on tour and stuff. And I love that shit. And, um, yeah, he had a really cool, like, a high-pitched voice. He was cute. They were both cute. They were just cute. And they, so, <laughs> yeah. And, um, yeah, it was a studio. So I was like, hey, like, I'm a musician. This is cool. Um, like, let's jam. And they were like, yeah, let's jam. And, and it was, like, cool at first until you realize that, like, the newer generation is a whole lot more um, sensitive. Like, you can't say certain shit to them without them, like, taking offense. And, like, I don't know. Like I said, I've lived my whole entire existence as a black woman. So, like, it takes a lot. <laughs> it takes a lot to hurt my feelings. I'm not necessarily going to cancel you, even if you say, like, the most cancelable shit. But, um, no, I, um, I was hanging out with them for, like, a week, because I, I told them, I was like, hey, I've worked in hostels before, which is true, like, I didn't have to lie at all, I was like, I've worked in, like, a hundred hostels, um, like, you know, do, do you, do you need any help here, and they're like, well, yeah, actually, like, the, the girl, um, the, our other, other person just left, so we are looking for somebody, and I was like, yo, hire me, and they're like, cool, um, <laughs> this whole, this whole, portal was weird um just because like i don't know it kind of like it it opened my eyes to how like people can be one way in your face but then like hate you behind your back and like not say anything about it um but i was like i actually really liked their band like i was immediately a fan because they were like yeah we do rks covers and this is our original shit and the the lead singer uh i can't remember his name for the life of me Q 
cute, like too cute. Oh my god. Um, and he and he could belt, like he could sing. He had a very soulful voice. Um, but it like it just kind of came up in conversation. I was like, yo, what do you what do you even do? Like, is this just your normal? all the time job and he was like well luckily for me only he's he he said he only worked because he wanted to because his grandma left him like so much money that he could live off of it so he worked for like extra not because he needed to but because he wanted the job and then like you know was hoping that his music career would kick off and I, I hope that it has actually because this kid was talented um and his his the drummer was talented the other kid was talented but the problem with the other kid um the dude who was doing most of the managing and like i even had this sense that like yo the kid the, the kid that came from the emo background or whatever um that had kind of like an interesting story he was like yeah i was in a i was in an emo band and it got like really big and we went on tour or whatever but then the drummer shot himself and uh like but like on accident and it was just like a whole debacle um yeah that that dude had an interesting story he was cute um and i and he and smart um I like smart and then the other dude was cute but not as he was just very talented and had a lot of charisma and like not the best lyric writer but like oh his voice was amazing um so yeah they were in a band that had a dumb name and um the the drummer kid was do and they owned the hostel um so they gave me like the the gig they were like yeah you can stay here and you know do the cleaning and exchange which I was like, cool, this, you know, saves me. And there's a music studio here, so I'll have to figure out my brain around, you know, I'll have to wrap my, my brain around a, a way to get out of here. Or when I get my check in two weeks, um, I can leave, you know, or whatever. I didn't really have a place to go, but I was just like, yeah, um, I can at least do this for this, this much time. Or I think I was maybe planning on being there for a few months so that I could get a job that would pay me money. I would have a place to stay. I could make some music and then dip. I don't know what the plan was. Cause I don't think I, I think, I think this was around the time that I stopped making plans cause plans are stupid and God likes to unravel them. Um, so yeah, um, I'm I'm like kicking it with this band and they're like oh we do open mic night over here and this that over there and the dude who was managing them like really had like a like almost like a like a a talent for more management than music but the thing he he had a really beautiful voice like really really pretty um I really liked his music and his poetry that he made but he didn't like the sound of his own voice and I was like bro you gotta get over that like that's a problem because I have always been that same person until a certain point I think it was when I made iambic I, I got used to the sound of my own voice and I and I started doing this series actually um but before that I couldn't listen to myself on a recording at all at all um and it was only through this series and through like listening to iambic that i like because when i the first time that i heard iambic i didn't recognize myself as me like i was like holy shit that's me singing um <laughs> you know on a semi out of body experience after fasting for like two weeks or whatever i did not eat before i made iambic at all um i was very very high up when i made iambic <laughs> um yeah because I knew I had recording. I knew I had, like, a bunch of recording time. But I didn't know what I was going to do with it. So I, like, overstressed myself into a fast. And then fasted. And then just, like, went into the studio with no... <laughs> with no plan. And it worked out. Because I am, to this day... Like, I, I, I feel like I'm going to spend a lot of time trying to, trying to top that. And it's not going to happen until 
um, until I top that. And if I do, I might be that not, not even a one-hit wonder because it was just a fucking mixtape. Um, but still, I still don't think I've done what I did on that tape um, as an artist, which is sad. Um, but anyway, yeah, I, I kind of got used to the sound of my own voice on a recording by listening to it, by having to listen to it. And I was like, your voice is beautiful it's golden like you have a wonderful voice you really got to get over that um thing that you have because like once you get over it that'll be like when you're when you you know shoot to where you want to shoot and um he was just like yeah no I think I think even he was like I think I'm more of like a manager I don't really I don't really like the sound of my voice you know and whatever um but yeah um (laughs) that um, that dude, um, and their band, that dude and their band, uh, let's see, where was I? Oh, um, so yeah, they had a band, they were like, oh, we do all these open mics, and we do all this, you know, we perform once a week over here, you can just, like, you know, come with us, um, you know, and, and check out the music scene here, and I was like, okay, um, you know, that's cool, and so I think, for, like, that first week, I did, and I, just, I went with them everywhere, and it was cool, and it was like we were all friends or whatever. Um, and it got to where they, they you know, I worked there, um, and everything was cool at first. But once I started working there, there was this dude. Um, there was this dude that also worked there, the one other employee, really. And um, <laughs> this was the dude that, like, did it for me, but, like, the, the, like also undid it. Like, I don't know, he was just... <laughs> he was almost like another Anander in, in the way that he was like the devil's advocate in the way that like he saw that hostel as his home and so when I started like when I was a guest there he was like oh very cool with me you know very open very friendly but when I started working there he almost started to like be very um he was like really hateful towards me and it was like kind of weird and would just like <laughs> drink Pabst I think it was Pabst I'm pretty sure it was Pabst it was just a super cheap beer. He would drink Pabst all day and either watch the news or um, play, and this I'm grateful for, or play um, Christian Loeffler all day. Like, if it wasn't Christian Loeffler, he was watching the news and he was like, he would like, he would do like loud commentaries on it. He'd be like, of course. Uh, and he, he would talk about how much he hated the United States all the time on his like weird cheap beer, but like, also was like on benefits and stuff like you can't you can't hate and also be reaping the benefits which is something that like that's the happy medium that I've found I'm like well you know at least if they're not gonna pay me what I'm worth like at least like because they don't pay what you're worth they're gonna like feed you sometimes um depends (laughs) so yeah um he's like I hate this place blah 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 and would talk about how he used to live you know, everywhere else, and how everywhere else was better, but now he lived in that hostel, and so that hostel was, like, his territory, and he got, like, super territorial, um, so I started going back to the gym, because I was like, I don't need this, um, (laughs) you know, I would do pretty much my, my work, and then, like, go to the gym, and when I'd come back, um, I would just want to make music, but they, the the band themselves, were like, oh, we, you know, we have this gig, or we have this jam, or that jam, or this social thing, because they were very social, too. 
um, which is a big part of like actually making your music happen. So they were like really proactive in that, and I get that. Um, but after like the first week, I didn't want to like. I felt more like a groupie than like a. I wasn't in their band. They didn't invite me to be in their band. Um, you know, like I was just more like trailing along with them, not really doing anything. You know, like it felt more like I was like their groupie, and so I was like, uh, I don't, I don't really want to, you know, do this, and so. I started kind of being in like in my own world and working on my own um, shit, <laughs> which I guess um, because I had a whole bunch of flash drives, um, I had a whole bunch of flash drives with me and that, that, that one was a kicker. I had never been called a hacker before, but I would sit on the computer because um, I had made a bunch of music in Mexico. So my computer was just like an overdrive and I knew that um, I couldn't really do anything else unless I started clearing out space on my computer. Um, from all the time that I had spent making music. So I was doing that. And um, I guess, I guess, um, like when it all went downhill, which happened really, really quickly, and I still, I still have like hate in my heart for this. Um, because after this, I, I went through a period of time where I just, I don't even want to talk about her dress at all. One, because I just don't feel like it's safe. And two, um, that I was just, it put me in a really bad position, um, basically to be like homeless in the fucking deep ass South, um, with like no, nothing, like waiting on my paycheck to come, um, which was not, not cool, um, not, not cool at all. Um, but basically I didn't want to follow them around anymore, but they did trust me enough to like give me the, um, code to the studio. So when they would go on their social events, which I had like no interest in at all, um, I would just like go into the studio and, and, um, make music basically. Cause they had Ableton, you know, they had a bunch of guitars, they had a drum set, they had a, a, a MIDI keyboard. So, um, that's where I made banana bread and like a whole bunch of other stuff, um, including, one that I'm not really supposed to put out, um, because I can't, I can't remember what the actual, I, I, you know, there was no actual, like, thing, it was just, like, I think I got back from the, oh, no, here, here it goes, is, uh, one time we had a jam session with this girl, really pretty girl, can't remember what her name is for the life of me, doesn't really matter, um, but I pissed her off, we were having a jam session, and I didn't know, because she didn't let me know, um, she just got kind of catty, 19, of course, so, you know, like I said, like, 10 years younger, the new generation is just kind of different, um, in that way. I pissed her off without even knowing by telling the story about, um, this guitar that, um, that my, I don't, I don't want to call him my, my stepdad, because he's not, my mom is still married to my dad, and I, like, I don't know, she's really good at doing what she does, but, um, she yeah um the the my mom's boyfriend how's that ew <laughs> um my mom's boyfriend got me a guitar once um because somebody owed him something and they were like here just take this <laughs> and um i had been wanting one i'd been wanting one and uh i think he knew that because he's always what's weird about my mom's boyfriend is like we we don't not get along but we also don't get along and like he so I think sometimes he just gets me stuff randomly because he feels bad. <laughs> like, I don't know. I'm 30 years old, but, like, <laughs> ew. Like, I don't know. My mom and her boyfriend is, like, a whole nother side story. Um, ew, ew, ew. Um, yeah, no. And we fell out because his son, his son, 
was like, hey, it's not like we have the same parents, and, like, yuck. Um, yeah, no, gross, yeah. Anywho, um, I, th- I guess he thought it would be cute if we were a couple, but that's not in this season. That's in no season at all. Actually, it is. It's in, like, the... Th- I want to say it's in the third season some somewhere. Um... Or, like, between seasons. But, yeah, no, that was not a cool ending either. It's been a lot. <laughs> it's been a lot. Um, which is why I find it important to now, like, break down, like, this series. And, like, the the ground floor of where this multidimensionality is built. Because it is... The, the cool thing about the series is it is based in reality. Um, and that it, from an audience perspective... Um, there's no way of really knowing what's happening because even for the characters in the series um, and their real-life counterparts and their liases, there's no way for any of them to actually know what's happening. And that's how this multidimensionality is possible. Um, but this is kind of an in-between seasons. This is leading up into the fifth season because the fifth season didn't start until I got to Las Vegas. And this is how I got to Las Vegas. <laughs> um, um, yeah, no. Um, let's see, where are we at? Oh, I was telling a uh, fucking story about this guitar that I had, and I only had this guitar for like half a second um, because I did not like it. I don't know where that guitar had been. I don't know who played it. Um, like, I cleaned it up when I got it, you know, um, t- tuned it, but like, it had just been used <laughs> and abused, and um, I, re- I wrote one song with it. Um, and I was telling this story. I was, I was like, yo, I wrote one song with this guitar. Um, the guitar's name was Lucy. The song's name was Lucy, (laughs) you know, um, because it was just a, um, man, this sucks so bad. Um, I called the guitar, first of all, Lucy, because the strings were like old and like, they weren't even, um, metal strings. They were like plastic strings, like on a play guitar. And they were just like old and worn and like Lucy, you know, when I played it, it just didn't even feel good. So I was like, oh, yeah, she might need some new strings or whatever. But like the guitar, just holding it in my hands. And I, like I said, I'm very synesthetic. So I'm very much like a um, I um, I'm also kind of even pansexual in a way that like I get connected to um, inanimate objects when I when I feel that they have a certain level of consciousness or spirit energy so guitars anything musical has that you know anything musical carries that energy um so so I named this guitar Lucy because the strings were loose and gross and kind of greasy and I was like what the fuck where has this thing been this guitar is so slutty to me you know because I was just like yeah and the song was about like a slut but it it was about my guitar but like the the name you know um of, of the song was lucy and i was telling the story um and it, by the way i was telling it a lot more eloquently so that it didn't sound offensive but this girl just took so much offense she was like oh you think it's okay to call a girl a slut and i was like uh not necessarily but i wasn't calling a girl a slut she was like you think lucy is a slutty name and i was like uh it kind of more just like insinuated how like it was more artistic and she was just like oh like she 19 year old girl of course like super like new wave feminist like all this all these things that you you know the new generation is is cancel culture oh you're canceled because you're this you're that you're this you know um I still, I still have my grudges about, like, the new wave feminists, um, you know, 
apparently like getting Justin Roiland fired from fucking Rick and Morty because he likes to draw dicks on things. I like to draw dicks on things. I enjoy dicks being drawn on things. That is one of my favorite pastimes. I mean, like I don't necessarily do it, but I like it when other people do it. It's like it's one of my favorite things in the world. How are you going to get mad at that? But I mean, like whatever. Um, you know, sometimes girls ruin everything and especially like these, this new generation of like new wave and I'm a female. So, I mean, like when it comes down to it and you have to stand with the females, like, yes, like I myself came out of an abusive an extremely violent relationship, an extremely abusive relationship to the point where I'm like, yes, I stand with women, but only to the point where it's like, did you tell anybody when it happened or after you lost your job? Like, did you take a job because of whatever happened and then got mad? when whatever didn't work out in your favor like there's context because i'm learning i'm learning about being non-binary in the same way that i'm learning about sometimes females do shit that's just ridiculous because they're female like it is specific to females that do this you know and i'm like uh well you know like you shouldn't do that (laughs) um my last roommate it was like perfect example of that and i was just like oh sometimes girls ruin everything because sometimes they do um especially in this new generation of of doing things like that of just like you know throwing your pussy around and being like you can't do that because this and that but also we want equality like okay fucking get used to like very artistic dicks sometimes being drawn on a fucking dry erase board you know whatever like grow up (laughs) um anywho um but yeah this girl as cute as she was uh cute cute as a button could not sing um but you know we did have a session where i felt like i was more babysitting um and and kind of just got into like the producer thing um but yeah at the end of that session that story was told and she was she was like catty about it but she wasn't mad she was she you know she wasn't like fuck you you know whatever but she was behind my back and that's what led in addition to the dude who would just like watch the news all day not liking me like not liking me just because I worked there and he was like he felt like he was the only person that needed to work there um but i'm also grateful to that person for being like like he was one of those people that only he was an npc for sure (laughs) um yeah he was one of those people that only listened to one artist at all um yeah and when he wasn't watching and when he wasn't listening to that artist who i have come to adore that dude is fucking awesome and i actually i haven't wanted to see like a dj in a long time live um, just because of what happens to me at these fucking shows um it's nuts at this point i'm at this point i'm like yeah you're in my body um <laughs> um but yeah no i actually do want to see christian loafler live and i do like i i want to own all of his albums there are certain there are certain artists that i just want to catalog like all of their albums like have everything that they've claptone is one of those artists i will say that i love claptone and i actually like i i don't want to just like download you know i don't just want to subscribe and download or just download whatever he has like i want to buy that shit um i buy albums that i really really love but right now like right now i'm at least if i had to if i had to guess if i wanted to like buy everything on my fucking wish list i i would guess that it would be like 10 grand easily um in music because there's definitely over t- um let's see just on the just on my first dj list the the ultimate playlist i think is um like close to 4000 songs and then since i've been you know, like se- season 6 was in la and season 7 is in new york in the last year i've definitely collected 
more than a thousand more songs. Um, <laughs> which leads me to the point that, let's see, the Flex Awards are coming up. I don't know how I'm going to present them. Um, because, I, like I said, I'm not even like releasing this season until um, I'm not in this environment. Because it's just been, it's been toxic. I don't know. Um, yeah, it hasn't really been safe. Like I said, my last roommate was not cool. Like, I didn't really realize how much, like, sometimes females play politics in, like, the really dirty way. And I'm like, maybe this is why we don't, like, we haven't had a female president, which would be beneficial if she wasn't this kind of female. Because um, I don't understand what you're doing. Like, why are you doing this? Um, but yeah, um, let's see. Oh, yeah, so I basically got canceled by that 19-year-old girl. And then that, plus, I said something, like, yeah. The, the the dude with the really good voice said he was a trust fund baby, but I didn't know that it was, like, a sensitive thing for him. And so, like, I, I like, he, he did something really, he did or said something, like, super rich. And I was like, oh, of course, you know. And, and it was more of just, like, a joke, but it offended him because, <laughs> because sometimes when you have everything just that you need, you find ways to be offended by people knowing that about you. Like, it pissed him off because he's like, oh, yeah, oh, you called him a trust fund baby. I'm like, he said he was a trust fund baby. Like, and then he acts like a trust fund baby. So, I mean, like, why are you mad? You know, it was just a bunch of kids being like, fuck you. And I was like, fuck, you know. Um, and then I had to go into a really dark place. And in that really dark place, um, and, and, you know, and, in trying to find a place to stay um just having my f survival instincts kick in we won't really talk about it at all because it's not something that needs to be talked about but um in this really dark place was also when i found out that ollie passed away um because there was that whole time between he passed away while i was in mexico city which is in february um and this was in june of that same year that i even found out that he was dead um and that shit broke me like a lot a lot a lot and I was like homeless in the south um which is <laughs> how you find out that like oh this country's still so racially divided <laughs> and like not knowing how to get out of this place at all um and then of course just by the grace of god I did um so yeah I spent between June and July in like North Carolina not liking it at all and <laughs> you know um luckily luckily um i was like able to go to vegas because i um reconnected with my best friend from middle school jesse and um we I, I think i just like hit her up i was just like hey like this is my situation but if i come to vegas can i stay with you and your family for a little bit and she was like yeah because she was wanting to be a model and um to me jesse jesse to me you know, not living with her anymore is really beautiful, you know, but when you live with people, it's going to bring out certain aspects of them and certain flaws, and, um, the, the crazy thing about it was, of course, I was in survival mode from day one, so when I got to Vegas, I just didn't, and this is the beginning of the fifth season, fifth season kicks off here, um, I did not waste any time in, like, getting a job, actually getting two, um, but I didn't, like, actually get hired for the second job until I had been working my first job for a while, 
Um, but Jessie has never worked before ever in her life, which at this, well, at just at the time I was like, maybe you should not ever need to work because she's just so pretty. Like, I'm like, maybe you should just find a husband that's going to fucking like support that. And I still think that she might, you know, um, but she's never had a job before. She's never lived outside of her parents' house. So like, it was kind of a... I think it was an experience to see that I was like working like a normal person and her not understanding how that is at all. Um, and I'm like sleeping on her floor. Um, she also deals with, you know, something that I deal with myself, but a little bit less dramatically. Um, she deals with body dysmorphia to the point where she's always complaining about like, I'm ugly, this, and I'm this, and I'm that, you know, <laughs> and it was even, what's funny to me is, like, she wants to be a model, she wants to be an actress, which still might happen, I don't know, she's done, it, like, a couple movies, a couple indies and things, and I was like, yo, um, maybe we could help each other, because I'm gonna be working, but I can take pictures for you, you know, because you want to do modeling, so, um, that was the plan, and she was just like, yeah, but I guess, well, I mean, like, not I guess, but the thing that got revealed when I got to Vegas was that she like lied to her parents so that they would say yes and they didn't really expect me to be staying in the capacity that I was staying in so like after a couple days they were like when are you leaving and I'm just like oh you know um and it and it got to be a thing where she she didn't tell her parents like the right she told one parent the thing like the truth but she didn't tell her dad and her dad is like the patriarch of the house um which is it was just weird because her parents are divorced but they moved back in together because codependence and bills and um he like controlled the money and like everything and so it was like it was really weird because he was like you need to ask me you you should have asked me permission and then like turned turned to me and was like you need to ask me permission for everything and i was like okay like (laughs) you know and so that got to be the dynamic but also understanding um the fragility i guess of my my best friend from middle school's like mental situation was not as serious to me until after living with her so like understanding that her dysmorphia actually caused um i just actually learned the fucking term for this agoraphobia she's extremely agoraphobic to the point where like sometimes she didn't leave the house for days because she felt like she was so ugly which is something that i experience sometimes i'm not gonna lie um you know if i haven't worked out in a couple days like i really get it you know um the the thing that I've been dealing with for the past few years has made me kind of agoraphobic in a way that's like I don't really want to be in public at all or around people um but hers is like really extreme um you know and then also just not her not having an understanding of like hey I have to work you know um I think I really disappointed her because we were supposed to go see Shaq um you know another DJ that I want to see just because he's such a hype DJ (laughs) and like you know um like yeah I I put us on the guest list and then it was like we ended up just not going because I think I was working and there was no way that I like I was like no like I'm tired bro like you know and she didn't understand that like she didn't understand having like a super long work week um she didn't understand you know like not having the energy not having a car in Las Vegas which is detrimental 
um, because the buses don't run on a good schedule. Again, the, the fifth season was just kind of like a reminder of just like, hey, you're on the wrong path. And that that whole, that's why I said the fifth season is shitty because it's just, it's it's more in Super Cree's world than it is me being me at all. Um, or if anything, in CC, you know, that um, the fifth season has a, a huge arc with the the DJ CC arc, which I don't think I've ever talked about. Um, yeah, no, the the DJ CC, the D, D, adventures of if I can't remember even what that show is called because I haven't like I left Dylan Francis alone. Um, for the most part, I had to. Um, yeah, no, certain things just like don't, you know. Um, certain things don't add up until they do or they're just you know i guess i guess let's see what did they used to say is friends for a season some friends are for a season um and i guess dylan friends is just a a little brown leaf um that fell off a tree um i don't don't know um there are certain things that are still there there are so many dynamics between the first because gerald's world (laughs) um Gerald's world and the Banff ramps like I don't know it does really all tie back into the seventh and eighth season but those things are not um constructed yet because there's so many there's so many storylines beginning and ending between season four and season eight where we are now that is that's why I'm making these two hour like episodes mostly not even not mostly for me but one for new audience members because i know that there will be the numbers always go up between seasons no matter how long the hiatus and this is the longest hiatus but also um i don't know i felt like it had to be um especially you know with everything in the sixth and seventh season um that like i don't know i i don't i don't really have a basis for talking about things in the in the element of like well okay well um I don't know things beginning and ending because some storylines are are longer you know some some arcs some (laughs) some character arcs are longer and shorter than others like the whole Dylan Francis storyline is arguably just in the middle (laughs) in the middle we'll just call it with in the middle um with everything that's happening i'm also using like these these worlds that are being built in the albums that are being dropped of course very considerably and very synesthetically um to to pack into the seasons of legends and of course the the mixes are narrative they're just a lot of moving parts to this series um a lot of moving parts um but the fifth season was a lot more I think like driven in the super Cree super Cree being super Cree and um, super Cree not being super Cree in the in the way that like she's being summoned into these multi-dimensionalities and like her counterpart Cece is just very much working um there there is there is a lot of Dylan Francis in season five I will admit um because I guess I guess since I'm talking about the fifth season is um yeah um dylan francis the character has like this glamour effect it's called like a glamour effect which is like a what's it called it's like a side effect of using magic which uh, this is all in like the fictional sense of the actual like the character the fictional in the script if you read the script um when it's the when it's the fictional version of a certain person or their elias like it'll say that it's 
it'll it'll be marked in parentheses with an F. Like this this is the fictional version of this person or this story, because um, uh, I mean like in it in its in its very own sense it is kind of like a fan fiction, in a sense. But I mean like the more the more the more of it that there is, the less of a fan of anybody I actually am. <laughs> um, just like oh you know there's a lot. Um, only because it in the in the more documentary sense because it is such a multi-dimensional project the festival project at all and what it encompasses is is these very broad subjects these talking about and addressing fame and talking about what you know psychology and politics um things that are actually like very very um very rarely actually implemented into conversation because so much of our society is built around like blocking that out um that you know we can have all these cancellations and controversies but it's never really about the real issues we're not really ever talking about climate change unless it it suits somebody you know we're not really talking about um homelessness or, or poverty unless an election is coming up you know we're not really talking about immigration unless there's like a series of of politicians that it benefits you know we're not talking about these things unless it, like unless the media wants you to and in in that same sense the the in the eye of the media is is more about distracting you from being able to actually build your own consciousness about that of actually being able to to look at a subject with comprehension and actually build your own like your because like most people are going to fall into one side or another because of the internet um you know because of facebook because of the comment section um because of these you know because we have uh, a wave a new wave of of people who have their own podcasts you know because all of these things are are popular now you know you're you're either going to fall onto one side or the other but that happens basically on a on a calendar <laughs> you know like a, another election is coming up and i can feel it just because things get more racially tensious tension is like there's more racial tension building like i'm like oh you know it must be almost time for for that again and it is all, all almost time for that again um and i hate politics i don't even like addressing it but like i said living the life that i've lived and being like you know once you're actually the funny thing is like once you're actually a successful musician like if you have a couple grammys under your belt or if you actually just have the um what's it called like if you have the notoriety if you have that um that following then you can have whatever opinion you want <laughs> you know um because you have that um there's a word that i'm looking for that i'm missing um it's it's like a legal word that you you know um if somebody has the ah, man i know i'll think of it later um but if somebody can be believed or trusted for whatever reason and what's funny about being an actual entertainer and musician is just like dang dog like if if you're gonna trust anybody i don't think it should necessarily be <laughs> um somebody who's learned enough about the world or about consciousness to be uh you know a headlining musician because those people um have learned to play um to the audience but i mean like i guess that's what gives them that um that ability you know i guess that that's what gives them that that go ahead um is that they they've built that 
persona in a sense um but yeah uh fifth season i don't i don't know where i was i know i was on dylan francis so it does have a lot of that it has a lot of the djcc storyline which is one of my favorites i'm not gonna lie um one of one of my favorite things that have actually ever accidentally happened um that i've written so i mean like if as far as fan fiction is concerned that's definitely one of my favorite worlds that have been built out of this in the festival project um let's see what else is there in the fifth season the fifth season um well the fifth season pretty pretty rapidly rolls into the sixth season. oh yeah the glamour effect the fucking glamour effect um which kind of starts in the fourth season in the sense that like there are a lot of characters from the fourth season that are actually like they're dylan francis glamours but like not understanding like what that is or how that happens actually until you actually learn about the glamour effect i think in the sixth season sixth or seventh um but because because there are actually like there are so many of them um and that just comes from like i don't even know how that you know how you would explain that that you would just like my boss looked like i had like two bosses that looked exactly like dylan francis like versions of dylan francis i was like oh okay um (laughs) that bird guy which by the way um this is one of the corrections i needed to to um that dude (laughs) that dude um that spoke bird was from berlin and was also like a character um in in the dylan francis franchise um because he was he was large but he still looked exactly like dylan francis and spoke bird and and um wore a translucent skirt and was from berlin not amsterdam lived in amsterdam but was from berlin so he had a heavy um german accent um like hansel and so that (laughs) that whole storyline and that whole character but all those all those um all of his aliases are in the fifth season doing a whole bunch of like backwards ass shit because that's what dylan francis does it's backwards fucking shit and um (laughs) yeah no um as as a music producer i'm just starting to pull apart how that dude makes his music but as a as an actual person like i'm just starting to like put together in the complex sense in the business sense how he actually got famous and i'm just like irritated (laughs) <laughs> that he's like the poster child for white fucking privilege i'm like dude you you're famous for moon baton music okay um but whatever i think i think he gets like half a pass because his mom's croatian which is caucasian by the way um but is not um you know is not so american that his privilege is offensive um <laughs> it, like it is but not um so yeah playing playing with that character has been fun only because dylan francis makes himself such a fucking he makes himself a, a canvas in the way that he's malleable and is is a dj and also is an actor um so like i said that storyline is not even you know like he that that bleeds into legends that bleeds into the fucking um like it, it's a lot it, it's even in the origin story of the legend of because uh, in the legend of super Cree because of fucking um dylan francis being present <laughs> without even having been um without even having been which makes it easy as a as a writer and as an artist to timestamp shit i'm like oh fucking i can always just go back to this um this and it makes sense in the in the origin of what super Cree is and how the origin of how the superhero super Cree 
even happened. Um, Dylan France is very instrumental in that, almost as instrumental as Skrillex. I would say almost, but only just because, um, you know, um, I don't know. I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't want to talk about it. Um, <laughs> um, let's see, fifth season. Um, so where are we at in the fifth season? Oh, um, yeah, I, I was working at a gym. Um, so of course that is, um, there is just a lot that happens only because it's in Vegas and like the, in the very beginning of the series in Legends, in the origin, in the origin is a lot of it is in Vegas because the final battle between worlds, like the final battle between good and bad, which is where the, the series actually even begins is after that battle has ended and the, and it's arguably in this in this void in space that's neither the beginning nor end of time um <laughs> so it's just in this timeless and they're, and they're mostly it's it's like a clip show of like flashbacks and it's like a clip show of flashbacks but that's the original fucking like the <laughs> ground zero of the script is built from that um where they're just basically in a fucking um, football field like flashing back like remember this and like no when did that happen and then the rest of the series is like the unfolding of that um that script that was written the very first like the very first full length feature length script which preceded which precedes scary monsters and super Cree and legends and when worlds collide it's all before it's like the first movie because there's like (laughs) there's so many it really is a saga um so yeah at this point i don't even have expectations for this series i'm just doing it because i'm just like well at least we live in a world where fan fiction is like acceptable and like the creepy people on reddit will eat this like for fucking breakfast you know um i hate the fucking reddit (laughs) It's, it's like yo what's crazy is somebody can leave a comment like what kind of pants is he wearing and somebody else will answer it like ew like why do you know this um but the kind of like i I will go ahead and just say this the kind of obsession that fucking skrillex itself like the skrillex project or like his his image or the person that he actually is but i mean like that person has evolved so much in this you know 15 years um that it's almost like not the same um almost not the same but of course you know we're all we're all the same inside of as we have as we have always been um you know but it's not you know um it's not like i said fame does fame does a lot like the especially to that extent but the obsession that skrillex breeds is just like obnoxious to the point where it's like i don't even i'm embarrassed to be a fan (laughs) because the the level that some fandom and i mean like this series included but the level of obsession that his fandom has fucking like opened my eyes to has made me just like not like i shut that world out so much because i'm just like yo even if i was on a list of bitches (laughs) I would be at the bottom of it and there are 13 billion people in love with him um you know so that is um that (laughs) but um 13 billion people in love with him I think there's I think the population of this world is 8 billion so you do the math on that um but yeah there's there's a lot I hate the Skrillex reddit I hate anybody's reddit but especially his I hate it I hate it I will not go there for anything but if you want to know what he had for breakfast every day since he was born 
check that place out somebody fucking knows and i I feel like consciously and spiritually like just a side point he must have asked for that like if you if you you wanted to be worshipped like a god like this like because if the like you asked for this in some like you wanted this in some part of your consciousness this is part of your story you got exactly what you wanted and you asked for this so even if it is like a negative thing sometimes like that's what he wanted and that's what he got you know um so yeah the just the amount of like mm, like salivating obsession that skrillex breeds is almost sickening um and it has been even since before this podcast got started i'm not gonna lie um that's actually like i don't know that's how i that's how i even um slipped backwards into the hole of oblivion is actually realizing like how famous that dude is on accident um, before this all got started, I had actually even forgot that he existed. Um, you know, so whatever, whatever, um, I, I still, I still don't know if I can even address that, like, very magic moment. I don't even know, because it was magic, but at the same time, like, it maybe even doesn't even need to be, um, you know, how this got, how it got started. Um, was just in when I was in a place where I didn't even realize that I made music and especially not made the kind of music that I'm just now starting to make which now makes the original incident the inciting event of this entire series make sense but like didn't make sense at all at the time to the point where I can discover something like the Skrillex Reddit and actually vomit (laughs) like vomit rainbows for decades Um, (laughs) and did at one point just nonsense um but yeah no actually realizing how 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 famous and then it got worse like (laughs) and then it got worse um yeah i think that deserves or maybe doesn't even like a a whole um talk on its own and this one's getting close to the two hours uh yeah you know i've got 20 minutes left these little um flashback season um behind the scenes are gonna be two hours each because the first one was two hours on accident um about the fourth season i think i corrected everything i wanted to um i didn't really talk about nameless because like i said i think there's going to be more talking about the fourth season as i actually start to like connect the fourth and the eighth season because the the, the eighth season and seventh seasons respectively or collectively and collectively have happened in new york and there was so much um there are so many portals like there was so much stuff that happened in the fourth fifth and sixth seasons that like got me to new york in a sense that i didn't expect um that i i'm now tying all these seasons together in a story in a in a in a storyboarding way you know um that are as a writer like i I don't know i just have to revisit like those i have to revisit the fourth season and write you know they're they're parts of the eighth season um arguably that also are like flashbacks of the fourth season because they are alternate perceptions of that same occurrence or character or event you know um so that um let's see what else happened in the fifth season um the fifth season pretty much added (laughs) added uh like rolled into the sixth season at the at the end of the fifth season um because you know i got to jesse and i realized how I didn't know I didn't realize how bad her her dysmorphia was to the point where it might even be some other stuff going on but I'm not a doctor you know I just lived with her for you know 
a number of weeks and watched how like watched her change you know to the point where like I don't know sometimes I feel like somebody's attitude about themselves can really can um change the way that you view a person so I mean like I like Jessie's like a porcelain doll to me she's beautiful and I'm like that's why I don't I don't really I'm not really a photographer but I take pictures of things that I find beautiful and so I offered to help her build her social media presence because I know how to do it and I I you know it was like hey we should do this photo shoot or that photo shoot and it'll be for free or whatever you know and um it'll it'll give me photo cred because people will be looking at you because you're super hot and she even was like I love my body I just think you know my face is ugly and I hate my nose and like but to the point where she would go into a hole about it for hours and talk about how ugly she was and like once I started realizing that like that kind of was being paired with acting ugly and like her depression attributing to a, just an inability to clean at all um like I cleaned her room for her because I was like yo dude you can't live in this and that's probably attributing to your depression you know um you know um yeah no cleanliness is a huge huge part of like mental health I don't I don't think people really have made a connection to that but I did especially in this fifth season just because um once of course I moved out of Jesse's um I was staying in an Airbnb to the point where it it got so expensive um, that, like, I wasn't, even with the paychecks that I was making, I still wasn't making enough to pay the Airbnb. Or I had this one lady that was like, oh, you have to, you have to pay by a certain time um, or else I can't hold the room for you. And I was like, can't you just wait until my paycheck comes? And my paycheck usually came at a certain time, but didn't that time. And then she was like, well, I booked the room, so somebody else, you know, um, booked the room, and it happened to be a holiday weekend, and so, like, the prices were astronomical, and I couldn't afford a hotel, there was no hotels, it's Vegas, um, on a holiday weekend, so I couldn't afford, like, to, I couldn't afford anything, and so I ended up just, and it didn't matter, because I was working so much, like, I was working at two different places, that I was like, it doesn't matter, I will just um I would just like nap in the sauna at my job because I was working at uh, two gyms um I would just nap in the sauna at my job between shifts and I did that for like half a week without anybody noticing but then I got so like sleep deprived (laughs) I got so sleep deprived I'm not great at jobs (laughs) Um, I got so sleep deprived that um in the middle of a shift one time everybody left at the same time and didn't say anything and like I didn't know why and so that made me mad because I was tired I was like up for a long time (laughs) and everybody left in like a single file line out the door and didn't say shit to me like the whole staff (laughs) like I was like what what and so I just went to take a nap like I left and I, I didn't even get in trouble for that, actually. I came back like nothing happened. And everybody else was like, okay. <laughs> like, I think they did it on purpose, so I'd go take a nap, but I did that. I did. I went and passed out for a few hours. Like, I couldn't stay up anymore. I will admit that. Um, I didn't care. Because um, it was just, it just, things got so fucking out of whack. Um, yeah, sales is is competitive, but, you know, also like the wages in Nevada are not human um at all um to the point where I had two jobs the buses don't run on time and um 
<laughs> I had a boss that looked like Dylan Francis, which is nuts. Nuts. He had a fucking pineapple on his butt. It sucked. <laughs> um, it sucked so bad. So, yeah, I was, uh, <laughs> yeah. Um, he did. He had a pineapple on his butt. Um, what? Uh, <laughs> um, let's see what else. What else? Um, what else? that it just spiraled into a fucking into a hole where it was like i it was it became very obvious that i was on the wrong path um because there was like the buses never run on time so i was always late to one job or another and i was riding a fucking bike everywhere (laughs) that sucked because sometimes it rains like riding a bike everywhere is cool because it's a lot of exercise until it rains or gets extra windy or the whole route to work is uphill um you know so um luckily i was able to dead my dead mouse my way out of that i did um i don't know that i just i use that music as like a fucking is it's very safe it's a very safe place um (laughs) that's structured um for for me to be like i don't know why but like dead mouse is like an emergency sequence like anytime things get really fucking deep and devastating it's like it's dead mouse um, cause I have to, there's nothing else. Um, there's nothing else. Um, so that's a weird construct. I still haven't really figured out in time and space how that has happened. Um, but like I said, I think I did that to myself on very much by accident. Um, very much by accident. Um, in, in, um, an, oh yeah, that, that, the fifth season has man on the ground at the end of it. Um, because like I said, I was sleeping in the sauna this is towards the end of the fifth season so i'm actually almost done um because it rolled into the sixth season because of this um i had a friend named brandon who was very very um helpful actually it was almost as if he he was very much in nander um because he came out of seemingly nowhere and um was very very friendly gave me a hat um then it was my dj hat for a long time i just retired that dj hat actually and um (laughs) <laughs> don't wear magic hats but do um gave me a hat but when it came down to it and i was sleeping in the sauna i told him like look uh i don't really have anybody else to fucking ask um which is fucked up my mom lives in vegas but i'm like i'm not allowed at her house um because not her house um that's you know um just on a personal note like another reason why i've been trying my very hardest to be like a very independent woman um because my mom who is a uh you know a model and dancer um was never really an independent person um she's just always had to rely on um being a beautiful woman to get you know to to have to be taken care of which has worked out for her she's like a god or something like she always gets what she wants always she always has a nice place to live very nice she's very good homemaker so i mean like maybe that's just her magic or whatever and i got some of that um which is cool but um yeah no i've always been kind of um disappointing to her in the in the way that like my body is grotesque enough that like she was just disappointed that i was not good looking like her enough to get by that way um until later in life and now at this point i think at least in an athletic sense i've definitely out like my mom was never a runner she would always walk for fitness 
but never really ran. And I, I have to say, I love running, and I love the way that my body takes shape when I run. So, I mean, like, my, my knee injury is healing. So when I get, um, I finally ordered the shoes that I like to run in and replace them. What sucks is I'm, I'm still replacing shit that I left in Mexico. <laughs> um, eventually I'll, I'll be able to um, replace that push that I left there. My aunt was like, shouldn't you take that with you? And I was like, yes. Um, but I didn't. So, you know, I just now replaced the very good pair of running shoes um, that I used to like to run in. Um, and I haven't gotten them yet. So when I do, I can get back to running because I really like running in those shoes. My knee injury is healing. Um, so I'll try not to exacerbate that. But a, a, a lot of running has to do with, like, the shoes that you run in. So I think that that'll fix some of my issues, having those shoes again. We'll see. I also have a knee brace. We'll see. I'm going to take it easy on myself because I realize that I'm not Madonna, unfortunately. Maybe next lifetime, since I'm learning a lot about time and how it runs, like, <laughs> concurrently. So maybe I can die and be born as Madonna. Um or Beyonce, you know, I'll take a hybrid of the both of them, they're both cool to me, I love Madonna, um, like, for no reason, absolutely, I don't know, I just like, I just like Madonna, because she's cool, um, I like really gay things, and she's like a god for the gays, um, and, and I don't mean that in a way that's like, if you, if you're gonna cancel me, like, you've probably canceled me eight times before this, get getting canceled once per season but like no um I actually just really like like gay culture and um and like homo things um in the way that like if I was with the gays right now they'd be okay with me saying those things because I love um gay people and like gay culture um and that's that's another story for another day but like the that was actually like my entry into like the rave world and like the party scene was like through the gays um, <laughs> through the gays, um, in a very conservative, very racist, very, very reli- re- religious place, but that's, that's a story for another day, because it has nothing to do, um, with the fifth season, and more is in the origin stories of Super Cree, like, before Super Cree, way before Super Cree, um, but there was always the gays, and so I love Vogue music, and I love DJing, like, really gay things, um, uh, um, let's see, was it, yes, it was in the fifth season, I want to say, yeah, because Beyonce dropped Homecoming, and, um, I don't know, I still don't know how I have this ability, but, like, I have this thing that, like, I have a Skrillex sensor, so when Homecoming came out, I listened to it, um, because of this girl that actually, like, really cracked me up, um, she was like, you're going to listen to this. We're going to listen to this together. And I was like, okay. Um, and I liked it. And I liked it enough that I think I went and bought it. And I, I think that was my first Beyonce album that I felt like buying other than like my original Beyonce album, which is Homecoming Live, just because I saw the movie and I, you know, um, I felt out of my body. I was like, that, this is incredible. Um, and that's how I became a Beyonce fan very late in life. Um, but not coincident, not coincidentally at all. Um, <laughs> I'm washing the dishes, and um, yeah, I'm washing the dishes, and I'm listening to Homecoming, and I'm like, oh, I don't know, something about this is just Skrillexy. It just is. And then, c- come to find out, like, of course, 
he produced some tracks on that fucking he i think he i think he ghost produced a lot of it there was a lot of people on it but of course he was and i don't know how i knew it but i knew it and i was mad at myself because i had already purchased the album and, and i had sworn off skrillex completely i was like no more skrillex this is too much <laughs> like this is too many happenings oh this is a lot this is too much for me um but yeah i i got tricked into that one i had already bought homecoming or no not yeah wait no renaissance i bought renaissance and i was like "Mm, something about this i don't know what it is i don't know what it is something just always mm, sits differently inside my body when it comes to that dude um whatever (laughs) um yeah but uh Let's see, fifth season, where are we at? Towards the end, oh, this Brandon dude was, like, came and rescued me, because he's an Anander. And uh, they even had the same kind of eyes, even. But, yeah, I told him, I was like, yo, dude, I have these two jobs, and I'm fucking sleeping in the sauna, because I, I tried to get an Airbnb, and I couldn't afford it anymore. My paycheck came late, and he was like, oh, like, um, can you help me? Because he was always talking about his family, and how big it was, and how they're always doing family things, and so I was like, can you help me, and he was like, I actually can, I'm not even staying in my room right now, it's just empty, um, because I'm, I'm doing this other thing, and I'm like, okay, and so, um, (laughs) and so, he was actually very instrumental, I actually, like, I'm very grateful to this person, because he was like, well, you can stay with my family, but the family was, like, not, down with it and I didn't know why until after I got there um which just kind of made me it actually started another storyline like a a side story um or not it finished it actually because this this story started in the fourth season in the fourth season um (laughs) there's the story about a dog that doesn't know she's a dog at all and so it's just thinking that like she's human and so nothing that Nothing that happens to this dog makes sense to the dog because she doesn't know she's a dog at all. And that's just kind of how I felt like as a person. I was like, yo, people are treating me like a dog. Maybe I'm a dog and I don't know it. Um, you know. Um, but yeah, I finished that that kind of uh, storyline in this household. Um, just because I think, I think like the main theme of the fifth season was like mental illness and how sometimes it is a direct result of poverty and your environment like sometimes one thing causes the other but sometimes the other causes the other thing um because it was um like I said I moved into my friend's house into my friend's room um and it was immediately like immediately an emergency because I was like I can't stay here um because it was very dirty um and I just I'm I'm very much a very clean person. So I won't go into detail just because, you know, like like I said, I'm actually really grateful to that person because he was very much an anander. Like, he just, like, even though I told him not to, wanted to buy me things all the time. And it was all, like, he didn't, you know, um, being very nice to me and very cool. And I got to know, you know, like, his family, a lot of his family was actually really cool. Um, and, you know, there were these kids, and I love kids, and so being around them was cool for me. Um, but like the, like the, the connection that I made with like a lot at this point, I had been homeless for a lot for the entirety of the series. So this is season one to season five. And, um, 
living with so many people at that point that battled with mental health and cleanliness because I I don't know like I I started to feel like I was a lot of things I'm like maybe I'm a fairy like I'm supposed to be homeless because I move into people's house and then I wash their dishes and then I you know I do their laundry and I clean things you know um very clean person that's just what I do but I think this was the tipping point for me as a person where I was like I almost feel like because I felt that way about myself maybe this is becoming like a pattern because everywhere that I've been everywhere that I've had to stay and everywhere that I've been able to stay I end up cleaning like profusely and to the point where I'm being taken advantage of and people just expect me to do these things um so so that's how it got rolled into the sixth season um I began fasting again um out of like I said I went into like survival mode um I'm working these two jobs and and realizing that there's no way um no way that be between the two jobs and the salary that I was paying and not being able to um I I couldn't take full shifts at both jobs because I was depending on public transportation and that public transportation was never accurate like it was never on time so I was always late to one thing or another um so I started I had I already had um I was already based in LA before um and it was it's never ideal to move to any big city without like a an extreme amount of money I won't even say like a plethora like an extreme amount like you really shouldn't move to LA just for anybody who's thinking about it um because I realize how you know big cities like New York or 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 LA appeal to people from like middle America because it is so racist and there's not a lot to do and (laughs) there's like no place to go so like they appeal to those people because they need it to feed into their economy for people to have two jobs or three you know, and to be able, like, to break themselves, basically, mentally, to the point where they're paying their bills, but nobody's really functioning, um, nobody's, you know, doing their housekeeping, or self-care, or, you know, going to the gym, um, because working at two gyms made me realize something, is that gym privilege is that, and if you have the ability to go to the gym every day for a certain amount of time, like, you have a certain amount of privilege or wealth as well, um, you know, like that that it is a privilege to be able to have that time um to set it aside to to take care of your body but what I've learned in my journey is that taking care of your body should be the priority um but also learning in my journey that we live in a society that punishes you by taking care of yourself first (laughs) um you know via homelessness a lot of the time it's like well how are you going to take care of your body now because you can't use the bathroom you can't shower you can't sleep um you know so that's just kind of where where we live and I don't know I don't know like I could be in trouble for saying a lot of these things but I feel like it just needs to be heard by the right person in order for things to change um and I'm not that person that's going to keep like you know I've met a lot of I met this dude that's like an I'm an advocate for change and I'm like be careful because if your skin is the wrong color (laughs) like being an advocate for anything is is wrong you know, or could hurt you very, very badly, you know, and he was, he was like, oh, I'm not scared of a homeless shelter, I'm like, maybe you should be, um, because my whole time in the, in the homeless system has been fighting, um, has, you know, has been learning a lot more about, like, you know, things that I want to, um, in a way that it just makes me feel like I, like I said, I'm, I'm less, uh, about, (laughs) I'm less about, 
trying to change the world around me than I am about changing me because it really does start in one place like the more the more care that I put into my body the more the world starts to change around me without me doing anything um which is why I guess I'm such a uh what did my one friend say he called me a biocentrist but it's true because when I take care of my body it's almost as if I'm living in a in a world that's completely separate from a world where I don't um you know so that's like (laughs) that's you know when I start to connect with the negative things about me is when I'm you know eating badly and honestly I don't think I could ever really go back that far um you know like I said one bowl of Captain Crunch was like hey now um you know you know I finished the box just to fucking at that point it became like a science experiment for me um talking about this box of fucking Captain Crunch um because I wanted to see the difference between that like the feeling that I that I got when I ate that and going back to how I've been eating what I consider normally you know eating on a clean um you know vegan diet and the difference the drastic difference it makes um the drastic difference it makes going to the gym every day rather than and I was a beast in the fifth season by the way I was going to the gym for hours because I worked there um you know and, and um like leveled up in management you know even had my boss not the one boss but the other be like yeah we like our managers to to take like an hour and a half during their shift to to work out and I was like that's cool because I was all already at the gym for like three or four hours before and after my shift so I got to be pretty beefy there um and like I said I have body dysmorphia so I don't actually ever know how I'm looking um but I know that by the time um by the time the fifth season was ending um I was feeling pretty good. Um, the end of the fifth season is arguably the man on the ground episode. <laughs> the episode where, um, like, I, it's very rare to find um, shows that I want to go to for free. Like, usually the artists that I actually want to go see, like, cost something. And uh, I told myself, I was like, I'm not going to pay for this. But, like, there was one particular weekend where it was, like, Dylan Francis and Dead Mouse were performing on the same night at the same time but only like but like across the street (laughs) and so I couldn't decide because like I love watching them perform (laughs) like I'm like I love I love their shows um I am like a very much a fangirl in that sense it's like y'all make it to the front row but like I don't know like since the beginning of the festival project like I usually just like spend my time at fucking (laughs) like Dylan Francis shows like writing like, I've written, like, I think I wrote, like, a whole feature length one time just, like, sitting there. And that's why I kept even going, because I was like, not only do I enjoy this, but I'm actually getting a lot done, like, for me. So, I mean, like, you know, like, I'm like, yeah. Um, so, I was like, yeah, I'm gonna go, I'm, I got on both of their guest lists, and um, I, I went, I was like, I couldn't decide. Because I was like, yo, if I had to choose between fucking, like these two like I couldn't and so <laughs> I went of course to Dylan Francis first um first because I was like yeah um Dylan Francis is a cool show and then I was like okay all right well I'm gonna go see Dead Mouse now and I did that which that show was fucking packed it was packed to the doors like that shit was stuffed um I was like wow uh 
and it, it, it was it was at a, a venue that I had never been to before so I was actually like more just like enjoying myself and actually maybe even I don't even think there was room to dance there wasn't there wasn't room to dance and then there was like it was somebody's birthday so they did like the whole fucking bottle girl thing and I was like uh, and the floor was like sticky so I left and I was like I'm gonna go back to Dylan Francis and let this shit thin out for a minute <laughs> so I did that <laughs> and I went back and that was fun because I always oh yeah I'm always shazamming at Dylan Francis too like I get a lot of work done there like every time um so I'm shazamming and shit and writing and then I was like okay well I don't want to I don't want to miss the end of Dead Mouse so I fucking I left Dylan Francis again but I was like I'll you know come back for the end or whatever um <laughs> so I did and then it was starting to be towards the end of the Dead Mouse set but like Dylan Francis is a resident at fucking wherever the fuck he was at and so I was like oh well I can always go back over there later <laughs> it's not like I have anything better to do at all <laughs> um I was just like yeah I enjoy this and so um man that sucks because I tried it was like thinning out enough at the dead mouse show that I tried to fucking that's why the episode is called man on the ground it's like a it's like the finale of the fifth season um and then between the fifth and the sixth season there's like a bunch of mixtapes called the fast track because I started fasting let me tell you something when i fast like when i just stop eating and drinking at all um like things will like my instant my ability to instantly manifest things will fall into place i promise myself that for my my mental health and for my physical health like i will not fast again until i actually get out of the environment that i'm currently in um just because it's like it's not safe um it's not safe um you should be you should be for anybody who's like on their spiritual walk or whatever listening to this you should definitely be in a safe environment like where you're able to isolate yourself and have your own spiritual experience because that's where you know in in forms of consciousness lower vibrations will try to pull you into their vibration it can be very very unsafe um if you're fasting and you're in you're you're basically like putting you're pretty much like putting yourself in sinking sand or you know opening yourself up to a, a you know a variety of things consciously speaking that you might not recover from it's kind of like it's kind of like going on a bad acid trip on like it's it's like it's like going on acid when you've been having a hard time like everybody knows everybody that knows things because i mean like fasting to to a certain extent if you fast to a certain point if like for me i think it's around 12 to 14 days it is an acid trip like that's the same year that's you know that's why i don't have to do things like that anymore because it's like eight eight days to mushrooms 12 days to acid like it's really you're releasing like the same effect within yourself of doing that um but like i said you should be in a in a safe environment and i mean like even your closest friends should not even be included your family even the people that you love like you have to be alone for this um you know you should be in a safe place so i've promised myself for my mental like health and sanity that i won't um until i'm out of this environment and i'm alone again um but i definitely will once i once i get into um that space like probably you know celebratory um do a celebratory spiritual cleansing just because it's like i i very much miss that part of myself um in this environment i feel like my my faith has been tested my strength has been tested like my physical strength 
Um, and there's sometimes just not enough gym time in the world to fight an actual demon <laughs> or Satan, which also in my, in my realm of consciousness are also just parts of me that are very dark, you know? I don't, I am a very much a biocentrist. I am very much a, a believer in, in like the oneness of everything in that I don't really see, um, anything outside of self, um, in, in the way that I am also an individualist that this self is split arguably into 8 billion people or however many there are you know but it is all the same thing you know whether it's it's functioning at a very high vibration at Christ consciousness um or you know omnipotence you know um or a low vibration which is you know like satanic or demonic it's it's all the same you know like I said Satan and God same thing just on opposite ends of the spectrum anywho um, yeah, the man on the ground episode is, I think, the like technically the finality. To, yeah, the the final thing in the fifth season, um, and then it, the the fast track mixtapes are between that, um, which I still might go back now that I'm getting a little bit more well versed in Ableton. I'm hitting another learning curve um, in like the mixing and mastering aspects, where I don't just want to use AI. Um, to like mix and master my tracks because I want to be able to know exactly like what I'm doing um, and it's weird because like I, I keep trying to like kind of like attempt to learn via YouTube like this or that but I can't like it's not it's I think it's more meant for me to figure it out on my own like I have um, the rest of Ableton because I'm not I haven't really learned you know um anything besides by trial and error doing things by hand myself so my music f so far is not um you know where I want to be but it's further than I ever imagined myself getting um like I never really thought that I'd be able to make what I'm making right now like I said I have I have, I have one track that I'm particularly proud of that I just like eh, that I, I I'm like I kind of want to leave it where it's at and just have it be there but I'm like uh it's it's really mushy like my highs and my lows are kind of like bleeding into each other so I'm I'm trying to figure out like the well actually the the version that I have I forgot to like save between a version that I exported and a version that I was making a lot of changes to so the version that I have like just needs to be mastered and that's it I can't do anything uh like I fixed the timing issue on it and then that you know um that's it that's that's the version that I'm stuck with I, I mean um, but yeah, one thing that I'm proud of, and I don't want to jinx it because I want to keep doing things in that same respect, um, but also just kind of like, I don't know, giving myself the time and energy to, to just catch up with all the time that I've lost, like, you know, um, so yeah, <laughs> Man on the Ground, which was uh, not even really an episode because I was just like recording, going back and forth between those two shows <laughs> and writing um the whole time um but yeah I almost got to the front row at dead mouse again because my very first dead mouse I actually got to the front row and that's when I decided that that dude has the nicest fucking fans it's true although his shows are like sausage fests it's nuts how many like <laughs> like super his his male fans are like sports fans they're like yeah let's go I'm like dang <laughs> there's a lot of dudes here um, but it's, I'm sure all the pretty girls are in the front row. I wasn't paying attention the first time I, I saw Dead Mouse because I was, I was like surprised that I actually even got to the front row. I'm like, yay. And I'm like a super fan of that dude. 
um, like a super duper fan in like the worst way. Um, but you know, um, whatever, that's, that's okay. It's, that's, that's what we do it for, I guess. I, I wouldn't, I don't know. I ha I go back and forth in my mind on whether I would want to meet the fan that's like me. Cause if I'm a fan of something, I'm like a diehard fan. I think that the only, the, the only artist I've ever really like backtracked my fandom with is Skrillex. Like I'm just like, I'm not even a fan of you anymore, motherfucker. Um, <laughs> cause I don't even know what to call that. And I still am, like, I still collect his music, um, except for fucking, except for that really horrible album, it sounded like fucking, <laughs> it sounded like, um, <laughs> what did I call it? I was like, this is lullabies for crack babies, because it just sounded not good, but I don't know what combination of, of drugs and or, <laughs> like, I don't know, maybe it's just an album for the pretty people, I don't know, I don't know, um, but it's still, you know, him, so it's not, I'm still a fan, I'm like, yeah. Um, but it, it wasn't for me. That's the thing is when I'm looking at music or artists to listen to, I have to find enough of like, you know, we're all a little bit narcissistic when it comes to art, you know, you have to see or feel a certain amount of yourself in it in order to like it. And so that, you know, um, quest for fire was that it was fire. It was good. Um, there are a couple tracks that I can't listen to on it which is nuts, it's unprecedented, I've never not been able to listen to an entire album of his front to back, but maybe it just needs time, I forced recess on myself, when I first heard recess, I was like, this is, no, this is garbage, and then now, I think that's probably my favorite of all of them, and I mean, like, that's, that's hard, because <laughs> everything leading up to recess was fire as fuck, and we know this, um, but yeah, this, that's a evolution of artists. So, I mean, eventually I'm going to eat my own shit because this is, I mean, like, I'm an artist too. So this is going to happen to me. It's kind of like in um, Get Him to the Greek. <laughs> I think that's what that movie is where, um, what's his name? Uh, oh, what's his name? Uh, yeah, the, the main character in Game to the Greek that's not Russell Brand is talking to Russell Brand and he's like, oh, except for African Child that show is fucking... Why can I not think of this dude's name right now? I can't remember his name, but you know what? One time he took a fucking... <laughs> some, I think the paparazzi took a picture of him surfing in a wetsuit and it's still like... <laughs> I don't know, it made me giggle in a way that I don't think I've giggled before or since then. <laughs> it was like, yeah, oh, Jonah Hill. <laughs> this is Jonah Hill surfing. And I was like, ah, <laughs> <laughs> but Jonah Hill, um, Jonah Hill, um, is like, oh, you know, everything you've ever done is great. He's fucking, uh, you're great, you're awesome, blah blah. Except for African Child, was a piece of shit. <laughs> He's like, oh, it's so bad. And then Russell Brand is like, oh yeah. And then like got mad at him <laughs> and just like fucked off. But yeah, I'm gonna get that back. That's me, with the with that last um, with that last one. But at the same time. As much as I've been learning about business, I'm like, yo, you gotta, like, especially music, like, you gotta, you gotta just do it for the kids sometimes. So, I mean, like, I feel like he's an expert at staying relevant to the, to the point where, you know, like, he, he did that. And he's riding his second wave of superstardom and super fame so high that I don't even think we'll ever reconnect 
in the same dimension but maybe that's the whole point that's the whole story of like the skrillex and super Kree is just that like he he got so much more famous after quest for fire was dropped which he dropped in brooklyn i'm still not over that i'm like hey whatever okay so like skrillex listens to my dumbass podcast fuck like because i didn't know that <laughs> i was like i'm doing this i'm doing this on my own fan um but yeah no that that whole experience i guess we'll talk about i guess we'll talk about the sixth season in the next episode because this one's definitely like two two and a half hours um which it was supposed to be um the fifth season ends um with that because i just went to la from that i couldn't do it anymore and then um (laughs) you know um the place that i was living became uninhabitable to the point where i was like i gotta go and i you know i moved into a hotel in la and uh (laughs) i met a psychic from new york who told me to beware of dylan francis (laughs) which i'm still wary of but i also just read this I'll, i'll end on this note i also just i don't know if it was robert green i don't think it was but i read this quote from somebody in something that i'm reading that was like if you don't ask like if you don't ask another party about something then you don't have like oh but it it was about how other opinions open your world up to other realms that wouldn't have existed if you didn't fucking if you didn't fucking open them and i did open that myself but actually she volunteered her her psychicness and i was having a lot of issues with this fucking amethyst um which it belongs to dylan francis so um so i i asked about it and she was like beware it was hilarious but also kind of (laughs) scary um yeah but she was from new york um and i didn't know that in the like following that following the sixth season which was nuts we'll talk about it in the next episode but that's how i ended up in new york at all um anyway yeah that's it fifth season that was the fifth season summary not summary um i don't know i don't know what does synopsis no it's more than a synopsis synopsis is short um but yeah i wanted to do details about all of the seasons and what was actually happening from the ground level um because it is very multi-dimensional and the first dimension is is the third (laughs) the first dimension is the third dimension but yeah it's the the 3d is where it's all based um you know and then it, it just gets infinite from there so yeah that's the fifth season um overview i guess and i'll do the sixth the next time that i have to <laughs> two and a half hours to myself i'm not sure um but yeah i'll do i'll do the next one later yep that's i still don't know how to end these i think i'm just gonna go with like thanks for listening and hopefully soon like i actually want to invest in like a podcast like microphone and mixer but i don't know i really i'm saving for a synth so i think that because i've wanted a synth for so long and i'm making so much music is kind of taking is going to take priority like i've been i've been doing this podcast on my iphone for eight seasons so maybe it's just part of it um but yeah thanks for listening for for this long and uh sixth season is next